Hello, hello. Hello, I am Jessica Benoist Young. I'm Melanie Reith. And this is Best Line. Worst Line. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we got that little, part. It's been a while. Bit, it's been a little bit and we nailed that. A while. What do we um, do here, Jess? Since it's been I a don't bit. know. <laughs> Where we talk about, I gotta think, we talk about movies, mostly movies, TV mostly shows, movies. anything scripted, and choose and discuss our best and worst lines from each. We promised that we would have this guest back. She we not did. only is an expert in jungle-related rom-coms, <laughs> particularly one starring Kathleen Turner, but she is definitely, definitely a, a major expert in this one particular movie that we are going to talk about today, and its recent edition of a sequel. Very, um, very um, anticipated sequel. Yes, highly, highly anticipated and long-awaited sequel, um, and I think well worth it. Please welcome the awesome, amazing person I've known for a very, very long time, Christina Benoist. Woo-woo! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Happy spooky season. Thank you for, uh, for making this episode happen, because I could talk about Hocus Pocus all day, every day for the rest of my life. So I do want to start us off before we jump into the movies themselves by asking you about this really crazy cool thing that you have done in the, I don't remember when it was like maybe six or seven years ago or so you actually went on like a Halloween tour in Salem. Um, yeah. So this was probably four or five years ago. And yeah, I went to okay. Boston and then spent the day in Salem where I need to go back and do it again because I didn't see any of the like which museums that people typically go to. I literally just went to the Hocus Pocus stops. That's <laughs> amazing. I like went to to um, Max and Danny's house where real people Okay, live. so they actually filmed there. Yeah, it's all filmed oh, there. Oh, wow. Allison's house. Allison, where Allison lives in Hocus Pocus is actually like a... It's like historic a, a historic building. Okay. But... Um, yeah, people actually live in the house where Max and Danny live, and and were you the only one like hanging out outside their house? Oh no, I'm sure not. Oh, okay, there is a huge group of people all just standing outside, like posing and saying hocus pocus lines, and yeah, I feel. Did really you find bad. this stuff on your own, or was it like an organized thing, like a map or a tour? Oh, no, no, no. This was me <laughs> in my Google archives. Like, okay, where, what are oh, all of the so filming locations for Hocus Pocus? And, are there peop- and there are enough people that do this that, like, you can go to these people's house probably any given day in October and probably. you're not alone. Well, that's yeah. nice in a way. I, I was going to say, I bet now, you did it like six or seven yeah, years five, ago. Four or five, Chrissy, yeah. I bet, like, I bet now there's, like, blogs or tiktoks or something that is like here are the hocus pocus sites because that is like for my old job i wrote a like fall or like spooky season road trip through the u.s article and i like they had a bunch of like film stops on it it, of like scary movies and i'm a wuss so i included hocus pocus (laughs) because that was really the only one i care about 
So I, I bet there is like, I bet now since you've done it, it would be like easier to find, but it's just all that more impressive that you went like the depths of Google to figure impressive, it out yourself. sad, I don't know which one. <laughs> no, we're going impressive. Um, I think any sort of like, I mean, this is part for the course of me being in Los Angeles. It's both like cool being like, oh, this is where this filmed. And also like, oh yeah, that thing, um, like the street very close to where I live is a whole bunch of houses that get rented out for like all of the Nancy Myers mm -hmm. kitchens because it's a very certain aesthetics, but it's like so cool. That, like it's just like normal people's houses that they film in and all that kind of so, stuff. So Allison's house from Hocus Pocus is the wuss's version of the Stanley hotel. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Which is a weird thing. Like you talk about being in LA and like, I remember that was always a huge deal. Like I would meet people on the East coast, like who were from Boston and you'd say like, Oh, I'm from Colorado. And they'd be like, have you been to the Stanley hotel? And it's like, no, I'm yes. not from Aspen or where, where is it? Aspen. I, it's in Estes park. And I actually Estes went park. to a wedding there. Oh God. Mm. <laughs> it was a great, it was a beautiful location for a wedding, but no, that would be like a certain, okay. Two places that I would get asked about all the time. And I'm sure you all know the other one, <laughs> Casa Bonita. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Have you been to the Stanley hotel? Have you been to Casa Bonita? That's absolutely. what people associate with Colorado. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you're like, it's, is it sad that I looked up? Because like, that's such a thing. Like the Halloween houses here, like the, where they shot Halloween, like people go and go to those houses. I'm like, why would you want to, like, why would you want to go to Michael Myers house? Like hocus pocus, like less creepy. Michael yeah. Myers, not really. Anyway. Uh, but that's so cool that you did that. So um, has it just always been a love of yours, Christina? Yeah, Focus? I, I honestly don't remember how this started. I feel like I don't. I was I remember, trying to think of that, too. Yeah, I I feel like I've just oh, this has always been a part of my life. And I remember watching it on we had recorded it on the Disney Channel on a VHS. And I remember Throwback. watching, it was like Halloween Town and then Hocus Pocus mm -hmm. and then Bye Bye Birdie on this VHS that we recorded. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I just remember watching that, rewinding it and watching it all over again any time of year. It was not just a Halloween movie for me. No, not at all. So when did this come out? 93. 93. So you weren't even born. No wasn't even a lot. I remember seeing, that's what I was thinking of. I was like, okay, I remember, I remember seeing this in the theater. I would have been too young. I don't know. I don't remember no, the first I, time I saw yeah, it. Yeah, because I remember seeing it in the theater. And then I was like, but Chrissy wasn't even born. So when did her obsession with this movie start? But now I do remember that, that VHS that had the Halloween town. I forgot that it was Bye Bye Birdie, but that's kind of funny. Um, I mean, that's a random pairing, but also it tracks. For me. <laughs> I, I'm not mad about it. Um, no, I, I mean, Hocus Pocus, it's just such... I have a friend who every day in October, back when like we used Facebook more to like, or more than just to keep track of people's birthdays, which I barely even use that for now. I have a friend who, um, who would post every day of October, he would post a different Hocus Pocus quote. Um, just like random, like it is such a like, I don't even want to say, I mean, I guess cult classic movie, but also not a cult classic movie. It, just like, it's, yeah, there's like this, there has to be a new name for 
for these movies that weren't well recepted when they came out, didn't make a lot of money, kind of flew under the radar, maybe were even panned a little by the critics, and then now are they kind of were under the current and under, you know, under the radar and were cult classics for a certain period, but now in this like massive resurgence of everything being remade and rebooted and sequeled and being available, you know, that kind of thing, like there has to be a new name because some of these things have gone beyond a cult classic and become huge and majorly appreciated and gotten big budget sequels and that kind of thing. And so like, they're, you know, are they zombies because they're coming back to life? Are they a zombie movie? Well, they, we already have zombie movies. I don't know. I mean, and there is a zombie in both of these movies. There has to be a new term. We can't keep calling movies that are in the same, in this same basket as Hocus Pocus, a cult classic. I don't even think we can call Clue a cult classic anymore. It's become I don't think so widely it's... recognized as a fantastic movie, and people are obsessed with it to the point that most people in our generations have seen it. And that was not the case mm-hmm. 20 years ago, you know? Right. Um, well, and not even just our generation. I think, like, I mean, kids love Hocus right, Pocus. Right. And I mean, partially, like, Disney Plus did a great job with that. Um, but, like, even before Disney Plus, like, it was not a, like, I don't think it ever really went away. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah, there has to be something where where we acknowledge that they were cult classics for a while, but now there's, like, this nostalgic, like, they're a nostalgia blockbuster almost. Like, they're having their blockbuster totally. moment now. 25 to 30 years later. It's so interesting because, like, I was listening to an interview with um, Jinx Monsoon, mm-hmm. who is a drag queen, and she was interviewing Kathy Jimmy on her podcast. And, like, one of the things she talked about was just, like, how, like, iconic in the queer community Hocus Pocus was. Because you have these three outcasts, for, like, lack of better word. I mean, they were. They're mm-hmm. witches are outcasts, but they are, like, fully themselves, and they are very draggy. They're they so They are camp. very They're draggy. so well, obviously, we see the scene in Hocus Pocus 2 where... Hocus 2, with, where, where you have three of the um, three of the people, three of the girls from RuPaul's Drag Race, Ginger Minj, Cornbread, and Kimora Hall, as the Sanderson sisters, and there's just so much, like, overlap, or, like, not overlap, but, like, in the drag community or queer community, I, like Jinx was t- talking to Kathy and Jamie of like seeing like representation in those characters, and there are just like so many characters across like and like actors and actresses, a lot of actresses that have like become like queer icons, and like Bette Midler certainly oh, is one. Yeah, was um, before <laughs> was before but, yeah. was before Divine Miss M certainly always, and then. Uh, like the three Sanderson sisters are definitely that same thing because they are camp. They are drag in so many ways. So let's talk about the movies then, because this is something I was going to say, and this is kind of where I feel like I had the most noticeable difference in the two movies. I'm just going to say right off the bat, we can go further into this uh, when we get there. But like, I loved the second movie. I did too. I watched it the weekend it came out with the kids Everybody sort of had mixed result, like mixed feelings, except me. Obviously, I knew right off the bat it wasn't the first, 
but I love it for what it is and for how it's yeah. different. And then I watched it again for my lines and I was like, I think I like this even better. And I questioned whether or not it was going to have the same rewatchability like year to year that Hocus Pocus does, because I usually watch Hocus Pocus like five times in the fall every year. I think it does for me anyway. Like I, there was something watching it the second time that was so immediately comforting. I was like, yes, this is a movie for me. I, it, and it fits mm-hmm. with what I'm looking for from this franchise. The difference that I found after rewatching both of them back to back was they went for camp. They didn't quite get all the camp. And I think there was just this energy that was lacking. And I think in the first one, no, in the second one, I think the first oh. one is like, very manic everything is like hyped up the action doesn't you don't have these lulls in action no obviously i'm not gonna say like i I don't even want to talk about the fact that they're 30 years older because i still think that they brought a lot of energy but they almost brought some some more subtle humoristic characterizations here's where i think the difference is and i think you both are familiar enough with this person to to be able to agree or disagree with me it's kenny ortega kenny ortega Hmm. was not involved in the second film to the best of my knowledge i mean he didn't direct it no and there's just something about you go back and watch like all of those disney 90s movies that he did think about newsies you know, Love you it. even watch like the Broadway version of Newsies versus the movie Newsies. And again, there is this just like insane amount of energy that he like infuses into it that I think is the key to like making something seem really getting that extra dose of camp and getting yeah. that like really childlike magic. And making something feel like really, really over the top and vibrant and rewatchable just because it's like so much fun. That's where I thought the difference really was. I think that they hit a lot of the same, a lot of the same types of humor. They hit a lot of the Mm -hmm. same scenarios of them. Like they had updated scenarios of like the, um, you know, fish out of water. They don't know what's going on because it's the future and that kind of stuff. And I think they did that really, really well, like even better in this one than they did in the first one. I think they were very similar, but there was just this, there was just this little bit of like energy downshift. And the only thing I could think of was Kenny Ortega going back and then watching them back to back. I was like, this feels very quintessential Kenny Ortega. I also you think know. part of it is one thing that I noticed as I was rewatch or as I was watching Hocus Pocus 2 is the storyline in the first Hocus Pocus is very straightforward and it feels like again, this could be because I watched this so much as a child. It felt like very high stakes. Like there was like this drama and intensity to it, even with all of the comedy thrown into it, it felt like, like when you think that Binks dies, it's like this really serious, like emotional moment. And I felt like there wasn't, there weren't moments like that in the second one, or maybe I'm just 20 years old. No, you're totally right. (laughs) No, you're right. No, this is what it is, is because they're after specifically Danny 
mm-hmm. that whole movie. And yeah. in the second movie, they're after Tony Hale. Yeah. And he's very yeah. external and very not on screen all the time. When he is on screen... And he's also not a kid. Just kiss. Um, right. I mean, I love Tony Hale and everything. Like, you know, so the the highest stakes are on the mini Veep reunion. The highest stakes are on Gilbert and uh, Mr. Trask. And they are not the main characters. Right. They're sort of, you know, satellites in the story. And so, yeah, you don't get the same, like, oh, my God, we're going to die. Oh, my God, we're going to die there after us. We have I, to do something from the main group mm-hmm. until I really have, right at the end, I guess, with Cassie when they when they finally grab. Oh, yeah. Well, and know. so that that was what I was going to say with Cassie. It would have been I think it would have been more higher stakes if she was the one who had witchy powers. If Maybe. she was the one that they were after to begin with, because then it would have been like the direct line, like the reverend, my dad, you know, the reverend, my dad or like and... the reverend's descendant is the one. That's like, true. That would have been, I think, a, an in, a interesting storyline to explore. I do appreciate, obviously, that this movie. I mean, it, compared to '93, like we're in a different time. Like we have a much more diverse cast, which is mm-hmm. great. Um, I appreciate. There was a lot that I did appreciate about this. I mean, I really, as you said, I enjoyed the second one. I think for me, the difference, and I think you're right with the Kenny Ortega bit, yeah. because um, one feels like a Disney movie, mm-hmm. and one is like, the second one, while still a Disney movie, in camp and all of that, it's much more grounded. Yeah, It's still camp, yeah, but it's much more grounded, and I think part of that is because they're, like, the witchy stuff happens in like in the town in the first one, like, there's buy-in to Halloween, obviously. But in the second one, you have the two girls who are have their crystals and everything. Mm-hmm. And you have the crystal store. And, like, I mean, let's be honest. I live in L.A. That is, like, not far off. Like, that yeah. is a real thing. Uh, like, I mean, so, like, you ground it in some sort of reality that is, like, a real reality. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first one, they're so out there. Yeah. Like, they're so opposite of everything. And this one, you have Gilbert Store, which makes it that it's grounded in something that isn't just, oh, this is Halloween. And I was looking at who directed the second one, and Anne Fletcher, who did um, Step Up, great movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought, like, it was well-directed. Oh, yeah. Uh, 27 Dresses in the Proposal, which I love the proposal. Yes. But, like, they're much more grounded rom-coms. Right. Step Up isn't a rom-com, but it's still grounded in, like, it's not Kenny Ortega. They're not the, it's not high school musical. It's not all of the Kenny Ortega Disney of it all. Um, which it's, we're a different time. And would that have played as well right now? I don't know. I think the Hocus Pocus two is like the movie that we needed for right now. Uh Like it fits the zeitgeist now, but comparatively there is a difference in camp. Yeah. And like how the storytelling is. Just, yeah. just out of curiosity, you said that this, the second movie was kind of received with mixed feelings in your family. Yeah. Is that, I, well, I think every... your, since you kind of have a bunch of different ages, especially with the boys, <laughs> yeah. like where, how did they receive it? Well, Carter didn't really say anything. He's seven. He didn't really say anything about it. Like he didn't share any opinions, but then when I put it back on, to watch it for lines he was like very into it and 
I can tell that it's like had an impact on his like imagination and things like that. And like the story, like parts of the story and the characters are sticking with him. Like he was, and it's really hard to get him to sit down and watch a movie. And it's really hard to get him to sit down and watch a movie that might be a tiny bit creepy, you know? So he, obviously he really liked it. And I, and I feel that too. Like I was saying, like there's a weird comfort to that movie and I don't know Mm -hmm. what it is. There's a, you know, and maybe it is that absence of like the extremely manic high stakes of the first one where it's like, there's no break. There's just no break. You Mm -hmm. constantly feel on edge and like somebody's screaming at you because they are, you know, entirely all movie, very energetic. And there's just enough of that missing from the second one that it does have this like comfortable level to it. Truman immediately, um, he's 14, and so he's obviously been exposed to the first movie, you know, a hundred times by now in this family, was immediately like, well, uh, it wasn't the first one. You know, it wasn't as good as the first one, um, and was mm-hmm. kind of he- hesitant to say that, like, he really liked it. He was like, it was it was fine. It was okay. It was, it was good. You know, that kind of response. But I think if he watched it more, I think he'd probably appreciate it more. But that... But yeah, I do wonder like how many people probably watched it one time and had that immediate reaction of like, oh, it's not the first one because it isn't. And I don't think that they really tried super hard to to make it feel like the first one. Which I appreciate because yeah. I think it needed to be a different movie. I think like if you were to try to make it the first one, I think it would have been worse had they tried to make it the first one. Like how to yes. match that scene. I agree. Because then there would have been a direct comparison. Like this very much was a hocus pocus for 2022. Yeah. Really? And I like, so I like that it was grounded in some sort of reality. Like the witchiness of things is more accepted, known, yeah. talked about. I mean, how many times a day do I reference man's manifestation? Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I liked that it was a dip, it was just a different dynamic. And maybe that's part of where the comforting part of it comes from, too, is like the dynamic that the girls end up having with the witches themselves. Yeah. And the dynamic that the Sanderson sisters have amongst their group. Like, that was something that was just so different and refreshing and like, okay, not everyone is completely 110% evil, you know, it's just this familiarity with like, like you said, being an outcast, things that are supernatural or misunderstood or unknown, like you get Mm -hmm. these very soft, subtle, gentle resolutions to that type of thing. And you get this comp, like this relationship, this familiar relationship with the Sanderson sisters that we didn't get in the first movie. And so maybe that's also where that kind of like, oh, this is, there's just something like it settles into you, I think, if that makes sense. <laughs> there's more nuance. Yeah. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So we've kind of talked about the comparison. Um, you know, let's dive into the first movie and our lines here. We're going to have to have like a very extensive discussion of favorite lines that are not the best line. Yes. <laughs> and I do love that there is a lot of, there's a lot of sneaky adult humor in this. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, in very this much movie. so. And they're always like, they weren't shy about that at all. Just being like, <laughs> we have like these 
incredibly hilarious actresses and some top notch cameos, which is, uh, I'll just say, I'm just going to jump right in. My best line did not come from a main character. Really? It did not come from any of the six main characters. I guess. Okay. Who, what I mean, is your best line? My best just line go. is, aren't you broads a little old to be trick-or-treating? <laughs> <laughs> from the fabulous Penny Marshall. And I just want to know, like, what went on in in that, like, that casting decision, A+. plus. Hey, can we get Penny Marshall? Who, yeah. <laughs> can we get the Marshalls? <laughs> Who were both de- who were both directing some of their biggest movies at the time? I believe that that Penny Marshall would have been working on uh, A League of Their Own around this time. I think so. Yeah, and, which Gary Marshall is in A League of Their Own, <laughs> and he, right. I, I can't remember. I uh, but I looked up his filmography, and he was doing something pretty big at the time too. So it was just like, hey, can the Marshalls, who are like two of the arguably biggest directors of family films of the late 80s and early 90s can they come play a bickering married couple for this uh random little disney movie that may not do much and it did much (laughs) i just love it that scene that whole scene at the house is just absolute genius almost i i could have written down every line from that from the two of them and that happens in that house like uh the the, look the chocolate covered finger of a man named clark (laughs) so when she walks into the kitchen and and she's like "Ooh, a torture chamber and then just the noises that bet midler makes as she's picking up things in the kitchen is fantastic (laughs) yeah just the the um like the whole thing when they're just following around satan like, oh, master, yeah, master. master. They call me master. So, Wait till you see what I'm going to call you in the morning. <laughs> or whatever. She, it's so What do you see what I'm so going to call good. you? It's fantastic. So, so good. Christina, what's your best line? My best line is from Winifred Sanderson. And it's at the beginning. And this line read, I mean, it. this basically like sums up the entire story in this one line, but I feel like this is just Bette Midler at her finest. And I think the physical comedy of this too makes this line fantastic. Like everything that Sarah Parker and Kathy Najimy. Yes. Everything that they're doing as Bette Midler is saying this line is unbelievable. So it's when they are going after Max and Danny, and she says, Therefore, it stands to reason, does it not, sisters dear, that we must find the book, brew the potion, and suck the lives out of the children of Salem before sunrise. Otherwise, it's curtains. We evaporate. We cease to exist. And this is the best part. But she goes, This is the best thou part. Comprehend. Dust thou comprehend. And her mouth. Just, I wrote that down too. It's the best. Oh, I wish that I could read it. Like, I feel like you just when you're reading it, you don't capture how great it is. It's just no. the best line. Really. We'll just have to drop it's, it in. Yeah. Put the audio in because it's perfect. Then we must find the book, brew the potion, and suck the lives out of the children of Salem before sunrise. Otherwise, it's curtains. We evaporate. We cease to exist. Dost thou come? 
Well, you explained it beautifully, Winnie. The way you started, started out with the adventure part, and then you sort of slowly... Explain what? It's... Come! We fly! That was, that was a contender <laughs> yes. for my best line as well. Um, and actually, like, probably is my best line in the movie, um, because it's just, as you said, it encapsulates the whole movie. Bette Midler is pitch-perfect genius, as she is in everything, and... I mean, so much of what makes this movie so good is, like, if you're just, like, looking at the script, it's like, okay. But then the line reads, the physical comedy, it's, like, everything that goes into it. My best line was also Winifred Sanderson's line and is not... I am so cheating on, like, how I'm choosing this best <laughs> line because it's not, it's not, like... I don't, I don't even know if it was in the script. I wonder if this was just a Bette Midler edition. It's not anything that has to, like... It's not what I would normally choose as a best line in the movie, but for me, it is just, like, one of my favorite moments of the movie because it, like, just warms my heart knowing that three months later, in 1993, there was a made-for-TV version of Gypsy starring, wouldn't you know it, Bette Midler. So, Christina's just smiling and nodding. <laughs> so when she, when Bette Midler walks on stage, and oh, yes. right before I put a spell on you, which, like, truthfully, like, my favorite best line in the movie is I put a spell on you, um... But right before that, she goes, my name is Winifred. What's yours? And I'm just like, <laughs> my name's that... Baby June. <laughs> What's, What's yours? yours? <laughs> and so, and knowing that she's going to be Mama Rose, like, yeah. I I did just look up like the timing of those movies because I had a feeling it was the same year. Yeah. So the Gypsy came out in December 93. This was obviously earlier, um, but still 93. So same year. The very Mama Rosie. Yeah. My name is Rose. What's yours? Like very Rose's turn going into put a spell on you. Which it has. It is not a plot point uh, <laughs> line. Hey, it is nothing. It's... It is just. It warms my musical theater Bette Midler loving heart. Yeah, and I so... think that you could even label it like you know it's it's because it's the segue to that song and that song mm -hmm. is like the iconic part of the movie mm -hmm. yeah i mean I, if i were to choose like if i were to choose a best line in the movie it would be i put it a would just be the whole song like I yeah it would be the whole I song i, I think it that is as well <laughs> I feel like the song and the spells in this movie are like yeah like they're genius <laughs> I, mm -hmm. they're not mine i mean but... truthfully um the spells are good but are any of them mecca lecca high mecca high no, i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> here's my thing not only, like, okay, so the song is so amazing that nobody talks about how the song makes zero sense because how would these women have the stage and mic work, like the stage presence and the mic work knowledge? Like, they just, the girls immediately go to the microphones and start doing, like, you know, doo-wop background singer stuff. And, and Winifred is just immediately, like, you know, a pop star. I just think it's hilarious, and I never really thought about that until, like, more recent years when I've watched it, and it's like, that doesn't make any sense. They don't know what this is. They shouldn't know what's going on at all. <laughs> They're very quick learners, though. Very quick learners, because she's wa I guess you could say that she's watching it, and she only needed that, like, ten minutes or so of watching the other guy do it to be like, okay, I know how to do this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's the same as casting a spell for the entire town. There's also a part right after that that makes zero sense to me, and I just caught it like on these last couple, like this year's rewatches, 
when they leave that party and they're like back in the alley and Max is freaking out and like kicking these, I don't know, fish crates or something because they're behind like a seafood restaurant or whatever. I'm guessing that it's like two to three o'clock in the morning, right? Uh. It has to be pretty late because when they get back to the house, they're not, they can't be at the high school that long. So then they decide to go do the thing at the high school, lure them into the high school. They think they've won. And then they go home and they like fall asleep for like a couple hours and they wake up and it's five. But so I'm thinking it's like at least after midnight. I'm going to say at least after midnight. But a dude comes out to get a lobster and that's when they go and hide. And I'm like, what freaking seafood establishment is serving a lobster at midnight or past on Halloween? Look, it's Massachusetts. <laughs> I guess so. It's Salem during Halloween. I feel like. That's like, yeah. that's their Mardi Gras, maybe. <laughs> that's the only... I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Salem. It's Halloween. Where's my lobster? Yeah. <laughs> Another line I love when they're in the high school is um, the... Uh, it's oh. a prison for children. Yes, I love that one. <laughs> because... I just love the French when she comes out and she's like, Bonjour. Je vous mon livre. <laughs> Hello. I would like my book. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. There's so many just good moments. And that's the thing is like, again, I think choosing lines hard because it's just so many like moments, like Sarah Jessica Parker jumping up and down and dancing a muck. I'm so glad they put that in the Mm -hmm. second one because that is iconic. They had the walk and like, I loved that the second one included enough of like the very iconic bits of the first one, Mm -hmm. you know? So (laughs) we talked a little bit about the adult humor Uh, there's a line in this movie that I want to say I did not really understand until like, or I didn't catch it and I didn't understand it until maybe like five years ago. Like I didn't understand it when I was younger and then I didn't probably catch it until just a couple of years ago. So when they're getting on the bus or whatever, and he's like, what can I do for you ladies or something like that? And she's like, we desire children and he says well it might take me a couple tries but i think i can make it happen Um, (laughs) so good i feel like and then she and then this doesn't make any sense either but it's so funny when he's like when they get up to leave because they see satan's house gary marshall's house and he's like what don't i get a phone number or something and she's like oh that would tape me in the morning (laughs) (laughs) i just love that like that they took like a normal line to say and then like made it you know in the old english that would tape me in the morning and this movie i always forget how much i love the this particular vocabulary word but yabos oh, a plus yabos. word yabos i max loves it, your yabos yabos i ne- <laughs> never and 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 nothing else and nothing no, else have i ever never heard been used before or referred to as yabos and, no. and, when she, and, and nothing and else the, the hilarity of an eight-year-old child going i don't have i don't have the uh what do you call them max yabos <laughs> Max likes your elbows. In fact, he loves them. He loves them. It's such an awkward, such an awkward line, but I love it so much. It's just, I 
again, there's just like, so much to love in this movie. Um, but what are some things that you, do you have worse lines? Cause I have, I do, I have yeah. one that I'm just like that just, and maybe it's the line read. Maybe it's like, I just, I don't know. I had My three that just were kind of a, they didn't make sense and they just fell flat, but I, I don't need to read them okay, all, so but go ahead. Mine is like, it does make sense because it's like he tricks them and like, it's another time that he tricks them, but I just always hate it because I just think it's such a like lame line. It does make sense, but it's the, and I have knowledge daylight savings time and i just have yeah. always like they wouldn't know what that is though right and like that's i think the thing it's like it makes sense like logically like okay yeah the sun comes up earlier but it also doesn't make yeah. sense that logically um and i mean it's like yeah him tricking them and all of that so like it makes sense in like that way but maybe it's the line read maybe it's just like i just it always irks me when i see this movie i'm like there are so many other things you could have used like yeah. daylight savings time feels like so heady yeah. for like all the okay. other trickery is a lot more basic than that yeah so mine there's this one that was just like dumb and didn't fit and was unnecessary in the very beginning when he gives Allison his number and like this random jock dude just walks up and is like Max fat chance and it's like what what why like we don't know anything about either of these characters yet really except that Max is from LA and Allison likes Halloween so why would some person that doesn't know Max at all like we don't know if she already has a boyfriend and this is it and then even if that's the case he wouldn't say that he'd be like dude that's my girlfriend but you know that's not the case so it's just so random and so out of place and also delivered terribly and a really bland line like I, it just bothered me like right off you know and it's very early in the movie and I was just like I don't get it like it was did not need to be there at all Unless they were going to, like, flesh out some other things about these characters right off the bat, which they don't. But the one that really has always bothered me, and again, this is just, like, the way that it's written doesn't, is not how you would say something. So we had a similar thing like this in Sleepless in Seattle, and this was Melanie's worst line. Talking about people in a way that, like, you would not talk to them because of the relationships that are there, right? So... When they go to the party and Danny's like info dumping on her mom of everything that's happening. And she's like, my brother's a virgin. And he lit the candle. It's like, that's her child. You just call him by his name. Like, and I bet she knows or suspects that he's a virgin. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just very, it's always bothered me that she's like talking to her mother about like in a way that suggests they're not related and she doesn't yeah. know the brother it, it's, it's very expository yes. it's getting out the ex exposition yeah. that you need to know in a very forced way yeah that and all and and doesn't work for the story. and you wouldn't really even like first of all there's probably a very good chance that she doesn't even know what that means mm -hmm. or totally know what it means and then like that's if you did know what it meant you wouldn't start talking about that to your like 
you wouldn't start talking like that to your mother. You would just be like, Max lit this candle that brought witches back. You wouldn't be like, Max is a virgin, and a virgin had to light the candle, and he lit the candle. And then you also wouldn't say my brother, because that's her child. She knows that your brother. <laughs> you know, she knows your brother. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing to me is like, no child would say this. No person would say it like this in the circumstance. It's always no. bothered me. On that note about, like, the whole virgin lighting a candle thing, like, so I mean, wrong. it was a kid movie in... It was a kid mo- kid's movie in 93, so it makes sense that they just, like, keep saying virgin, like, without any explanation. Right. But, like, it's just, like, so- I did appreciate in the second one when a kid asks, like, what's a virgin? Like, I'm like, finally, we have some sort of, like... And I loved the way they dealt with it. It was like, uh... Um, but- somebody who's never... Never a little candle. Yeah. But listen, in actual witchcraft, there's a big misunderstanding as to whether or not they mean virgin sexually or virgin in some other term. And it's more likely that they mean virgin in, as in somebody who's never been involved in a, in a ritual before. Hmm. Somebody whose blood has never been used, somebody who's never like had a yeah. been cursed or had cast a spell or anything like this so yes so he's kind of right in the second one like anybody yeah. who's never lit the black flame, flame candle before or like lit a candle to do a ritual or whatever would be a virgin right. technically then in that interpretation the girls would not be virgins right. because they've done rituals every year for what 10 or 11 years i think they said yeah. No. Anyway, that just has always irked me. Not <laughs> yeah. always, because when I was young, I didn't notice it. But like, since I was like, it's just like a plot point that it's like a very, a very big plot point, like calling about, like talking about virginity right. in a way that it's like, huh, huh, huh. but it's like also like, oh, you're a virgin, dude. Like very much that in the first in the first movie. Um, but also like it just. It seems forced. Yeah. Anyway, we, Christina, we talked about this, though, like with Breakfast Club and that kind of thing, like yeah. how pervasive that oh. that concept of virginity for drama and humor really was in like most teenage narratives of that time. And still yeah, is in, in like in like actuality, like yeah. still is. And it's annoying, and we should be getting away from it. Anyway, Christina, what's your worst line? Yeah, my, so my worst line is from Allison, and it's after they think that the witches are gone, they wake up at uh, Max's house, and she's leaving, and she's like, you can tell that she doesn't feel right, and they're in the kitchen getting her salt for her to go home, and she's reading the back of it, and it's when she said... <laughs> To form so a, a circle of salt to protect from zombie witches and old boyfriends. And this is such a quick line. I don't know why. Every time she says it, I'm like, you literally just had this, as we were talking about, like manic, hectic night where you yeah. are defeating witches and you're like, <laughs> old boyfriends. And then yeah. Max is, I, I don't know. It just, like, the timing of it just it feels so weird and. And she just said that she does. Yeah. Like you said, she just said, I don't feel right about this. Like something feels wrong. So you're going to sit down and crack a couple jokes and be flirtatious and then have your first kiss. Like, and also they're literally like, what the fuck? He's, 
getting ready to walk her home at five in the morning and leave his little sister alone. I was like, I've never really caught, I've never picked up on that either because I've never really like paid that close attention to the fact that like he's going to walk her home. I thought he was just walking her to the door, but he specifically like gets his coat on and says he's going to walk her home. And I was like, wait, what the hell? You cannot leave an eight-year-old child. What, you think the cat is watching her? I get that he's a very special cat, but like, no, you still can't leave an eight-year-old with a cat as a babysitter. Also, she's the... (laughs) Also, Danny's the one that they're after. Don't leave Danny alone. For any reason. (laughs) Allison can walk home on her own. She is a grown teenage woman. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's there. There are some logical fallacies in the movie that, so, I mean, it's a movie about witches. Right. Like there are a lot of logical (laughs) fallacies that don't make sense. Also, it is so frustrating to me that Binks only speaks when it's convenient for him. <laughs> I I feel like there are so many moments where I'm like, this is a great time for Binks to, like, even at the very beginning, when they're all, like, the Salem townsfolk are wondering what's happened, he can speak, but he's just sitting there <laughs> meowing. So I think yeah. that constitutes as right. my... Like, Dad, hey, Dad, Dad, they turned me into a cat. Yes, he literally <laughs> it's like saying, Don't kick me. Yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't he say- or like at the party, you know, they, they when the parents are like, you children are insane and you've had too much sugar and you need to go home and go to bed. You could just pick up the cat and be like, this cat is an immortal dude who's been, okay. and then it, Binks could talk and the but, parents could be like, oh, oh shit. But can only the kids hear Binks? I don't know. That one. I feel like he only, I feel like he. You can hear him. Yeah. Only talk. The Sanderson sisters? Yeah. Well, yeah, but they're, they're like, magical, so, like, I don't count them because they put the spell on him. But, like, of the, like, mortals, I think it's only the kids who ever know. hear him. So hmm. there could be a... If that's the case, though, like, again, we could have one line. We could have one very quick line, like, dis- explaining, you know. Again, maybe it's just because they're, they're now, like, involved in the ritual of it because they lit the candle mm-hmm. or something like that. Like because they have a connection to the people who put the curse on him. Like, one line, um, instead yeah. of just making it, like, make zero sense that this cat doesn't try to talk to anybody yeah. except Max and Tanny. <laughs> and even at the very, like, before he lights the candle, Binks just jumps on his back. He doesn't say, yeah. like, do not. Dude, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> he literally, it, yeah. so that, I guess that would make sense. Once he yeah. lights the candle, then they can hear Binks. Dude, yeah. yeah. Then the cat speaks. That that would make sense, but it's never explicitly right. said in the movie. But I like but, that. I'm gonna right, go right. with that just to solve. The yeah, there you go. Going. We solved it. Logical solve. A logical solve. And then, an like any time you watch the movie with somebody, you'll just pause it and you'll be like, "Now, the only reason <laughs> that they, that can, they hear can hear the cat and nobody else can is because there you go. It it would make sense. Like if I was in that writer's room, I would have totally like been like yeah that that's of course it um anyway shall we talk about the second one yes. Our, yeah there are so many moments in the second one i mean a the cast i mean a aside from the three um yeah. tony hale i cheered yes um, like Ugh. so great there's like so much that i just wrote it was like yes love this i wrote in big capital letters like yes ginger midge cornbread and kamara hall because drag mm-hmm. race huge fan there's just so many good little bits i loved the 
Walgreens oh, bit was my, hysterical. That, yeah. Absolutely genius. Yeah. When, like, when she, this is one of my favorite lines, I think, when she, like, goes up to the Walgreens guy and is like, like, how many souls, how many children's souls are in these potions? How many souls? And he's like, zero <laughs> I also love when they're eating they're eating all of the products and yes, yes. Her goes hmm floral with a woodsy finish like they yes. think that they're eating children's souls yes. like her critiquing the flavor of it is so fun <laughs> Sarah it's... Jessica Parker's like retinol what a charming name for a child, name for a child. <laughs> and then the ba- and then the like the sheet mask and she's like oh my god it's the face the face <laughs> of a baby <laughs> what does it taste like raspberries yeah. give me the baby face <laughs> perfect so, good. so 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 amazing funny. oh my god and then and leading up to that whole scene too is one of my favorite lines i mean i like i died laughing when when Becca and Izzy are explaining the potions and the lotions and stuff and they're like no more luring children to their demise or no more luring children to their demise and Izzy says nope already demised and and Sarah Jessica Parker or Sarah says I delighted in the luring it was my only job (laughs) (laughs) I I love I mean I think one of the things that's so great about having these three in those roles is their mannerisms are so like they, they pick up right there. Yeah. Their mannerisms are so odd. And then, so going back to the beginning of the second one, oh the kids my who God. they cast oh nailed the mannerisms of those three. Like, it was so good. I want an entire movie with with them. The children. The young Winifred, like, blew my friggin' mind. Like She was great. That is a hard thing to do as an adult actor as a teenage actress just completely nailing every single one of an iconic actress's mannerisms in a completely unique and over-the-top character and like she just made it look freaking easy like Mm -hmm. like it was nothing to just oh my god absolutely incredible i think that they should make a third one where they they it's come back prequel. and they have no they come back again because there's another candle we see in the cutscene or whatever in the post credit scene and they then they they do like the fountain of youth problem you know that like every little kid's uh, cartoon series does where somebody finds the fountain of youth and drinks too much and they go back to like being a child or a baby or whatever they they figure out some non-child killing way to de-age themselves and they do it too much and they're teenagers <laughs> so we just have a whole movie of this girl because oh my god it was, was so amazing good. <laughs> I, those mannerisms were so so good also the um i mean speaking of cameos in this movie hannah waddingham yes oh my god looking as the witch. Hot. oh i mean always but she is like such good casting yeah. in that and my best line actually comes from that scene and comes from hannah waddingham yeah i loved these. Um, all of her lines were so good all of her lines she says magic has a way of uniting things that ought to be together happy 16th birthday child and then i'm a witch i know things but that magic has a way of uniting things that ought to be together mm-hmm. is such a theme throughout this movie yeah. and it's like a really I just like the sentiment too. Mm-hmm. Like 
it gets to some of that manifestation crystally type of stuff of like the like things that are meant to be will be yeah yeah and i also really love like um when she says a witch is nothing without her coven that's a huge huge theme in the movie and then i love i love um (laughs) and then there's just so much humor when they like wrap their whole conversation the world is not too fond of witches can't imagine why perhaps because thou eateth children (laughs) how else does one stay young and ridiculously beautiful (laughs) (laughs) i just loved that oh gosh in the the young in the flashback like young winifred young sanderson scene when they come to her door to like uh, accost her for not wanting to be married (laughs) to i don't know some rant john pritchett and yes. and she's explaining that she's in love with Billy Butcherson. I love that we got that backstory. And, I'm so happy that we got that backstory. And she, he says, I don't want to, basically, like, in old English, is like, I don't want anything to do with you. And she says, what about that kiss in the graveyard? And some random villager goes, she relishes in her petulance. <laughs> <laughs> to me that's like you know that's like uh nevertheless she persisted you know she relishes in her petulance in her petulance basically she's like like, yes i do i don't even remember what she says something like "Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) i do (laughs) it's so perfect and that that whole scene is hysterical because so good oh with this whole thing with like the spider they give her a spider for her birthday and the spider yes. crawls up the reverend's arm as he's dragging the girls away and then later they light his house on fire after they get get book and know how to do spells and stuff and as his house is burning down he's like this is the work of the spider. <laughs> oh, this is the work of the spider. Just to me is like such a Tony Hale, like random, illogical, hysterical line. It's so mm-hmm. funny to me. I didn't catch that that was Tony Hale until it like, came back as Tony Hale later. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. duh, of course that was Tony Hale in both roles. Going back to the, when they come the present day, I and the Walgreens scene. I forgot to mention this when we they were headed into it. The the line headed into that was um, it glows from within with a sickening light. That's fluorescence for you. Fluorescent. I think we knew her. Great, great line. <laughs> no, no, that. great Love line. It. Or like it opens because she's so powerful, yeah. and then them dancing through the like that whole scene was just so good. Genius. Oh yeah, I just can't get over them eating the and and. and <laughs> When Sarah Jessica Parker is like spraying like a facial mist into her mouth and she's like, it's tingly. That's my favorite feeling or something like that. And then and then uh, Winifred is like, that's how you know it's working. This is just like, it's so funny. Just like thinking about Sarah Jessica Parker for a moment because like we just did the Sex in the City mm-hmm. episode and like Carrie annoys the crap out of me. And that's I always just like, think about jessica sarah jessica parker in that and so then it's so refreshing to see her in this and be like oh she's so good yeah she is a very funny person and i feel like one thing i love about her character is no one acknowledges anything that she says (laughs) like ever all of the funniest moments that she has just go completely ignored by Mm -hmm. absolutely everyone else it's 
it's amazing it's genius which makes it so much funnier yes yeah well like in the first one you see like they're trying to remember the spell or the ingredients for the potion to go ahead and suck the life out of danny and and she they're like dead man's something and she's like dead man's toes and they just tell her to shut up and then she's dancing around in the background singing dead man's toes while they're literally making up words they're like chunks? dead man's chunks dead man's chunks <laughs> and then and mary's like chunks isn't a real word <laughs> like and then that, that's what like sends winnie over the edge that they're not they're, that they're just gonna die and that's a great scene too we didn't talk about that when they go to the window she's like goodbye cruel world and i just love mary in that scene just following her around going bye-bye bye-bye goodbye can we talk about the roomba callback? oh my god the roombas the broomies the broomies are amazing like one of the most genius things and the way they they all keep going they have a mind of their own they have a mind of their own <laughs> Oh my god! But it was such a good solve for getting them yes, out of the, the salt, salt too. Uh-huh. I think I think that's a big difference to me for this movie and the first one is the logical solves are a lot clearer. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and they're funny and clever. Yes. You know, it's not this like burn the witch and hide in the graveyard. Like, it's not these obvious supernatural things that fit within the formula of a movie about witches they're really clever uses of of like fitting within the modern storyline and Mm -hmm. i i just thought that was so funny i saw like the the broomies come from behind the car and i was like oh my god that's genius (laughs) i loved um when with the kids i most of the lines i wrote down apparently were all from the walgreens scene i was just looking at my notes i was like these are all from that one scene but i did love when she was um taunting the boyfriend with uh, vegan food yes i love that too that's one of my favorite it did sound like you said satan no i said satan satan um and it, yeah loved like it. aquafaba satan i can't garbanzo, garbanzo. Oh. so good um, did we get to your Christina and Jessica? Did we get to your best lines yet? No. I, I, one of mine was "You're lucky to have each other," which is nothing without her coven. Uh-huh. I thought that was uh-huh. just the theme Great. of the movie perfectly. Absolutely. But I also my other favorite line is from Tony Hale when the Sanderson sisters are in his house. And oh my he, God. he walks in and I goes, I'm home and the gothic golden girls gothic are golden in my girl. Yes, that was yes. the other line I wrote down. It was like the so Walgreens perfect. scene and that line. Mm-hmm. The gothic golden girls. <laughs> that whole, his whole monologue about his day is fantastic. This could be a caramel-covered matzo ball for all ball. I know. I know. It turns I out the lights at Walgreens. At Walgreens. <laughs> It's, it's just quintessential Tony Hale. Oh, it's so, so good. good. Perfect. Again, perfect casting for not one Great. of the main like characters. Incredible. So um, my, I have like a sentimental best line and then a, this movie is so good at being ridiculous best line. So my sentimental best line is at the end when they're talking about, so I just loved the ending. This was so unexpected and it was very mm-hmm. brave for them to choose like a, sentimental non-climactic ending for this movie and i think it 
really panned out. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. They're explaining to her the price for casting the spell to be all-powerful, the Magica Maxima spell, was that she had to lose what she loved most, and the sisters have just disappeared. And I think Becca's just reiterating, like, that this was what happened because of your power. And she says, my power is nothing without my sisters. And I was like watching this, you know, I don't know, two, two and a half weeks after um, giving birth. And I was just like, like super hormonal. Well, and I can't even blame that because then I just watched it like yesterday, two days ago and uh, almost started bawling again. It's just like her, like Bette Midler, does it in a way where like yes she's played this completely ridiculous campy over-the-top character for for four hours of movie until this minute and she drops it all and just delivers this in such a like heartfelt meaningful sweet way and it just like punches you in the gut it's so it's just so cute for lack of a better word it's very touching and i and and I just love that we like, again, like the comfort of this movie and like the gentleness of how this movie resolves. Like, it's nice that this movie has like a lesson, you know, I think a lot of children's movies do. And the first one doesn't really doesn't, doesn't have like a moral. And this one has like this really touching, obvious, profound moral. And it's nothing matters without your family or the ones that you love because we see that you know this other coven is more of a of a you know chosen family um you know a sisterhood of of friendship and that sort of thing and like and that's very important and Mm -hmm. all the other things don't matter and which i'm so glad i get to do this episode with my sister i know i was was gonna say i was gonna say i'm sure that line hits like like when you are real, I mean, I'm very close to my brothers, but they're brothers. Like, so like having sisters that you are close to, I'm yeah. sure that line hit like very much like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah. So so that was my, did you guys oh, yeah, ever dress up as the Sanderson sisters? No, and did you I ever don't do that know as kids? why. I don't know why. Yeah. That feels like a missed opportunity. There's so <laughs> I think we, I think we kind of, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we each kind of fit. I think I'm definitely a Winifred. Like, I even have really big front teeth. Not as big as hers, but, like, still pretty big. I don't know. I guess we all kind of do in our family. I don't know. But I feel like I have that, like, very loud, um, bossy, older sister. But, like, also because you guys are, like, you especially are quite a bit younger than me like that that like I took care of you guys too like on some level definitely not like on the level of Winifred like we had our parents and they were very involved um, in the care and like our survival right like we weren't I wasn't only the only person caring for my younger sisters but like being like four years older than Melissa and almost ten years older than you Chrissy like I did things like cook meals for you guys and and like help you with chores and like watch babysit you and things like that so I do think I kind of have that like weird frustrated maternal feeling towards <laughs> that, that Winnie has like <laughs> like uh you know Melissa would do something like you know just a normal kid thing but like me being older knowing that it was 
it was uh, a big mistake. Like uh, one time she put uh, the can of SpaghettiOs in the microwave. And I think I was like, you are so dumb. <laughs> and but then I was like, she was like five or six. So like, how would she know? Nobody would ever sit down a child of that age and be like, don't put metal in the microwave. Because <laughs> you're not expecting that they're microwaving their own food yet. It doesn't have to be said right. until they do it and she just chose a the wrong first thing to try the microwave with <laughs> and, you know so it is that sort of like you know you you obviously have a relationship with them where you're sisters but when you're the oldest and you're quite a bit older there are these like i love you but you get that like parental like watching you is very frustrating <laughs> that way that you definitely feel with Winnie obviously because she's just constantly yeah. like oh my god yeah. why do I have to take care of you too but then obviously like it's worth it and you would literally die if anything happened to them mm-hmm. so <laughs> like if they if the microwave had exploded <laughs> there were sparks I'll just say. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I believe that. Before I interrupted with the, did you ever dress up as a Sanderson sister? Oh, yeah, no. You had a, you had a not sentimental oh, yes. favorite line. When they first come back. First of all, I just have to say, this is one of my favorite songs ever. I am a ginormous, massive Elton John fan. And I love this song to death. I loved the choice of this song for them. They come back and they're doing this whole thing. And as they're running away, Izzy's like, who are they performing for? Yes. (laughs) I loved that. I just, that was like, I think that's such a good line. Cause like you knew they wanted to get these songs in. And as you're watching it, you are thinking the same thing. You're like, okay, I'm liking the song. This is great. But what are they doing? Why are they doing this right now? I feel like yeah. this movie was great at just making fun of itself yeah. in that way. Yeah. Even like to the, the point where... Story, go ahead. When the go little ahead. Story says, like, what's a virgin? It's because yeah. everyone has always talked about, like you were saying, but then also, like, who are they performing for? Where, yeah, they, like, they've been singing and dancing in the first one, and it's like, what? Why? Why are and they it, doing this? Why are they singing these songs? Is it Sarah? jumps in front and is like you <laughs> and it is yeah. it's like that's to the audience you know it's to becca and izzy but it's to the audience like it's for you <laughs> right because if you have kathy and jimmy sarah yeah. jessica parker and bet medler they are going to sing yes. like you don't like yes like you just yes it, 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 and especially since like put a spell on you is like an the iconic mm-hmm. moment from the first one you had to have yeah. a big musical number yeah. in this mm-hmm. one that was the main thing i was wondering i think i even like when we started talking about this movie after it was announced i i think i even texted like you know our sister and mom chat and was like i wonder what song they're gonna do like that was the main thing i think a lot of people were wondering and then we get two two yeah i know i just i loved that and then like even to the point, you know, he said this movie, like, referencing itself and making fun of itself. And, like, we have a full-on, like, metafiction loop here with the, the as they're flying by the house, we see the Gary and Penny Marshall, a snippet from the scene. And then the couple that is holding the spot in line for Mr. Trask, the Reverend Mayor, <laughs> the Reverend, the Mayor, the Reverend Mayor. I loved that, too. <laughs> Yes. 
is dressed up as the Gary Marshall character and the Penny Marshall character. And you see them multiple times. And I think there's also yeah. someone dressed up in the Madonna costume in the flash, yeah, sure. the flash mob. Um, I also will say, number. Melanie, that I have dressed up as that. I've yes. dressed up as <laughs> yes. okay. That's I love how like niche specific that is. Like the yeah. mom Madonna costume. Because like the Sanderson sisters would at least be recognizable to people who weren't like big fans of the movie. You know, it's yeah. it's very visually recognizable. Uh, but most people like you'd have to be a hocus pocus like fan fan to be like oh to get that one the mom yeah. from hocus pocus yeah, that's dressed a, that's as a madonna deep cut. that's more <laughs> impressive that's a deep cut i've always wanted to do the sanderson Me sisters too. but that is like a like it's a commitment costume and you yeah. need two other people yeah. it's a commitment anyway um, yeah. what are your worst lines in this movie i like apparently just enjoyed watching the movie so much that i just after the oh god after I the like scene from walgreens i just didn't write down much um, I don't know if I wrote I down do anyone's any worth. I do have a worse line, and it's at the very end where Cassie says, "Well, um, she goes, wait, what just happened? Because it feels like I missed out." And it's like, no, everything big yeah. that happened, you didn't miss out for. Yeah. You were there for all of the big stuff. Like you missed them thing. lighting the candle. Everything else, you got, babe. Mm -hmm. Yep. I and so that was my first line too, where it was like, why did she just ask that? She was there. She no, knew. she was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have one. I, I just realized I didn't write down anything I didn't like. There you go. So I guess I didn't find bad. one. <laughs> oh man. There are there. And I still have like ones that I liked that I did. We didn't even get to that are just yeah. so funny. Um, I love when Sarah do... just randomly starts calling uh, Becca Edward. It's great. Fantastic. And then later on, when they're in the woods, she's like, Edward is a witch? Fantastic. I love it. It's so random. It's perfect. She just does such a good job. So good. Um, I also liked Pious Pompous Dunderhead because, <laughs> yeah. like, the alliteration of Pious Pompous and then Dunderhead, it just. I was thinking, like, is there a word with a P that could have gone with it? And I was like, no, Dunderhead is a really, just like, really good way of summing that up. Just a random question, like, did either of you know that that was Doug Jones? No. As I Billy didn't. the Butcherson? No idea until no. like I, we were watching the second one and his name was in the credits. I was like, or like before, you know, seeing his name before the movie started, I was like, how did I not know? Because it's a tall, lanky dude in a crap ton of makeup. Obviously, it's Doug Jones. How would I not have put yeah. this together before today? Yeah, I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, of course that's who yeah. it is. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I did have, I had to look it up because I didn't realize that it was him in the first one, too. I thought they yeah. swapped actors, mm -hmm. and I, this may, you may not agree with this, but I hated all of his lines, or all of his line reads in the second one. Like, really? And I oh, think I liked him. I think... It just felt so different where it was like, is this a new actor? Why? Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I wasn't sure it was the same actor. Yeah. Yeah. It was different. And I think it's because on some level they get, they made him more of a character. He wasn't really a character. He was just like a, a 
walking plot point in the first one. Yeah. And he, just and he didn't really had a couple lines, like two lines. They they wanted to play him up as a character, and then I think they had to be like, oh well in reality he would sound like this and so it is really jarring to be like oh now he has a completely different voice and manner like different personality and mannerisms and he's speaking with an accent it was weird but i i bought into it i think jarring was is the perfect word for it where maybe i didn't hate it but it was just like oh wait what why is this happening yeah yeah i did the same thing he just had a lot more i was like is was it him in the first one and it was. And I think yeah. I, you know, I really think that was like sort of the beginning that like that kind of solidified the his career trajectory. Although it was like uh, over a decade before he did Pan's Labyrinth, which I think is what made him like mm-hmm. mainstream. Like, yeah. And now he's like always the tall, lanky guy in a lot of which, makeup. Melanie, I don't watch Pan's Labyrinth. Wasn't gonna. Okay. Just, just gonna. saying, like, you know, it's one of those things, like, you may come across it and and see, like, there's a child and it won Oscars. No, and, never like, been on my list. Thing. Well, I don't know if it won Oscars, but it was nominated for Oscars. And, like, you may come across a list of, like, of, like, really, really good movies. And I'm yeah, no. telling you, don't do it. Never, but it, it feels like a net to me. Not going to do it. Still mad about that. Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 um, uh, it's a better movie than a net, and it is very scary to me. I was freaking I, scarred by that movie as me, a, as a, any day. oh God, when did that movie come out? Like 17 years. So I was 20. I was 20 years old when I saw Pan's Labyrinth as oh. still, I'm still scarred by it. Will never. Um, <laughs> Christy, have you seen Fans Labyrinth? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I probably no. was like, watch this movie at some point when you were probably <laughs> too young for it. <laughs> I saw... Labyrinth, however, I will do Labyrinth. That's mm-hmm. a good Halloween watch, I feel like. Yeah, it is. Has anybody ever dressed like... up as David Bowie from Labyrinth? That's been on no, my list I haven't. for a while. Have you? I was going to say, that feels like a you I don't thing. even know if it would have to be from Labyrinth. I just have, like, wanted... To dress up as, to dress David, up as Bowie. David Bowie, especially on um, like the times that I've had short hair, I'm like, yeah, I could just go straight up with this and put a little eye makeup and glitter on. With your longer hair, kind of shag, you could definitely That's do the true. labyrinth look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, back to Hocus Pocus. Um, I I just thoroughly enjoyed the second one. I thought it was a it fun was watch. I know there's like mixed responses to it because everybody. I mean, you can't please everybody. Right. Um, I really liked at the end. I loved what you said, Jessica, about the like sentimental ending mm-hmm. of it. Um, I think what I and again, this is me being a giant Bette Midler and Gypsy fan. I got so many glimpses at the end, like some of her looks. It was like Mama Rose. Yeah. Like there there were some Mama Rose looks or line reads that I was like, that's Mama. Mm-hmm. And like to me, Bette Midler is my Mama Rose. Mm-hmm. Like that's a debate for another podcast. <laughs> but Bette Midler is my You're not going to get any Mama debate Rose. from me. So <laughs> thank you. But I got so many glimpses of that at the end. And then I loved that when she was like, bring them back. And it was like the reunited. Like, yeah, she way. said they're not coming back. You're, you're going, going to, to them. them and and she didn't care she didn't care no yeah at that point that's all that mattered i would be i would be very interested to see if they decide to to continue the story to see they left it open how how this ending and how what they went through 
changes them a little bit, you know, and, and I think we're open. I think the door is open for, for a lot of situations where they don't have to be mean anymore, you know? And that is refreshing to me too. Like I said, like we already got a little bit of that. And I think there are plenty of shenanigans to be had where maybe they're the ones in trouble and they're the ones who are, you know, have this, have high, well, I mean, they've had high stakes this whole time, I guess, because they don't want to turn to dust and die at sunrise, but like, you know, (laughs) yeah, but like, they're also the one like projecting their stakes onto everybody else and causing all this mayhem and, and danger for like, if they're the ones who are mainly in danger from some other force and we get to see them just being like, just, you know, the protagonists, not the main antagonists. I think that's really interesting, would be an interesting spin and something that hasn't really been obviously explored in this franchise. It's a franchise yeah. now. <laughs> I I would be perfectly fine if they left it at this one. I, I know too. they left Absolutely. it open, but I like I know the after credit scene leaves it open. But I'd be fine yeah. if they were like, you know what, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Yeah. I'm, I would have been fine if they had left it at the first one too. But Absolutely. I'm glad we got this one. Absolutely, very glad. That Did we you? Got this. Have you guys read that they're making a stage musical? No, that's surprising that it's taken this long, too. Like, it always seems like anything that Kenny Ortega does, obviously, could be a stage musical. And most of them have been. (laughs) It has been been reported in Variety that it could be, it could be on, in the works. They started it before COVID, but obviously, Mm. kind of, you know, and... Yeah, with David Kirshner producing. I mean, obviously, Disney has the rights. So anyway, Christina, thank you so much for joining us for this episode and having your love of Hocus Pocus uh, shared with us. Um, What are you guys, do you all have any plans for Halloween this year? Um, I think probably something, um, (laughs) but uh, still working on like, a great costume. I, this year, I always put a costume off until last minute, and this year I'm really Same. trying to prioritize it and come up with something really good. My specialty is walking into Goodwill the day I need a costume and figuring out. From, and I pulled some great things from it. I pulled a perfect Janet from The Good Place. I love that costume. I love that. I had pulled a Carmen San Diego, and then always in my back pocket, if I don't find anything that I feel like I can like always in my back pocket is Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld because you can always I've been find that Seinfeld. or, or um, Fran Drescher from the nanny. Mm-hmm. Like oh, always nanny. I can pull either of those. You can pull those from Goodwill right. the day you need it. So if you, if you get stuck, yeah, I don't know. What, what I, about you, Jess? We're just doing like we, I pretty much, I don't think we're going to do trick or treating. It's not really a big thing like door to door here. Uh, so I just basically like asked the kids, um, what sort of Halloween stuff do you want to do? Because growing up in Colorado, it's basically like 50, 50, whether or not you're going to be able to go trick or treating anyway. And, um, our yeah, parents, your costume centered around a coat, right? Yeah. Unless you are a genius like me. And one year when I had to take Chrissy, uh, trick or treating in a blizzard because somebody promised her that she could go trick or treating, even though there was a blizzard. I dressed as Leia 
from the planet Hoth. No. Which was basically a, just, you know, ski gear. It was great. Yeah, but everybody knew who I was because my mom did like some, did the exact, the no, it's a, it's a crown braid. Oh, She did the yeah. exact braid. I was like, you got to do the braid or nobody's going to know what I am. And she's like, I don't know how to do this braid. And she did it. I don't, it was, it was amazing. I was shocked. So yeah, you kind of have to have like a, a winter weather uh, related costume or you're going to freeze. But uh, our parents would just, if it was going to be way too cold or there was like a literal blizzard where you couldn't drive or walk or anything like that, they would just kind of throw us like a mini Halloween party um, with our Mm -hmm. cousins because all of our cousins lived pretty close, um, especially when I was little before Chrissy was born. We all lived within like 15 minutes of each other and we were all like within a year and a half of each other age-wise. And so... Mm So I just basically was kind of like, hey, if we were to throw a little Halloween party, what would you guys want to do? So we have a long list of things that we're going to try to accomplish over the whole weekend. Got a lot of movies we got to watch. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2. What else? What else do I watch? over? I always watch watch Clue around Halloween. Yeah. Um, we watched I mean, Hocus Pocus. I've already watched the Hocus Pocus. We've watched all the Halloween towns all the way through. Um, I'm trying to think of some other Halloween movies that I watch. I always try to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think this year I'm going to show my 14-year-old Rocky Horror. Yeah, absolutely. I watch the Evil Dead trilogy. If I don't get to all of them, I just watch Army of Darkness. If you haven't seen Army of Darkness, go watch it. Go watch it. Melanie, don't watch Evil Dead. Watch Army of Darkness. You do not need to see the first two movies to appreciate. Oh, God. If you like camp, Army of Darkness is for you. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You'll just be going, what the fuck, the whole time, and you will love it. And you will be a Bruce Campbell Campbell mega fan. (laughs) There you go. I watched the final installment of Halloween last night, and that is the worst movie I've ever seen in my (laughs) life. We were like dying laughing at the point that should have been really scary. So honestly, you may love that, Melanie. If you're not into the scary, that that could be it because it's Maybe. I just funny than it is. Scary. Yeah. I don't it's, do any of the slasher things anymore. Like when I was no. younger, when I was a teenager, I used to watch Scream all the time. I just, I don't, like, that's not a Halloween thing to me. Like, it doesn't get me in the Halloween mood, even though the movie is called Halloween. I don't watch the Halloween movies. Yeah, um, I'm going to just say hard pass on that for me because, <laughs> nope. Even she, um, will, anyway. she will find something to be scared at. Like, she will be I will. I got scared. Campiest. I got scared at Scary Movie 3. Like, I like, <laughs> literally, I mean, granted, I was 13, but, like, literally, like, jumped in my seat from Scary Movie 3. Like, I am a wuss. So, I, mm-hmm. like, I just know, like, you know, not for me. And I, I, I will take the Hocus Pocus and leave the Halloweens for other people, and that is perfectly fine anyway <laughs> so you can follow us at instagram and on best line worst line and find us on at our website bestlinewearsline.com and subscribe to um to the pod at anywhere you get your podcast at best line worst line rate and review uh christina is there anything you'd like to plug or promote you're wearing your i don't mind sweatshirt i see yeah you can follow um 
I work as the associate director for I Don't Mind, which is a mental health awareness campaign. You can follow us on Instagram and lucky for everyone, we're moving into TikTok. So you can watch me really, really painfully try and master TikTok at, <laughs> at I Don't Mind. You're going to be great. Um, and you guys just got a shout out in Cosmopolitan too, if I'm not mistaken, did, right? Yeah. As brands That's that are, awesome. are doing good for mental health, which is That's exciting. Awesome. Jess, anything else in your end that you need to plug? Yeah. If you are like well, anyone, especially like going into the, the holiday shopping season, uh, if you're a parent or an aunt or uncle or a grandparent or uh, just like reading uh, fun books, then we've got the um, first book in the Powers series is moving to paper. It's out in paperback. Um, and then the second book comes out in February and it's available for pre-order. It's just a super fun story. Like we're talking about, you know, magic and magical powers and things like that. And like this book just has a ton of it. And um, also is just uh, has really good messages about like our relationship with uh, the natural world and the environment. Um, also very important to witches, as we see in Hocus Pocus 2, um, the sacred forests and moonlight and things like that for the witches and their powers. And, and yeah, so um, if, that, if, you know, just check it out and see if it's for you. Um, it would definitely be for your kids. Like, I just know that kids love this book it's the exact kind of book that i would have been obsessed with when i was a kid and that's why uh we wrote it and speaking of sisters you know wrote it with our other sister who's not here who put the spaghetti in the microwave <laughs> spaghettios <laughs> spaghettios spaghettios in the microwave so yeah go go check it out find me on instagram or check it out on amazon or barnesandnoble.com i have nothing to plug i um i'm doing improv i'm in a musical hey, theater improv class. musical theater oh, improv yeah. I didn't know that you could put those things together. It's very fun, and I God, am really fun. enjoying it. Sounds awesome. As always, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>